Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Monday, June 12th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Ben Oppenheimer. And I'm Jaya Joyce. And let's see what's what in the city. Today marks the seventh anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. That was when a gunman murdered more than 40 people at an LGBTQ plus nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Over 50 people were injured. In New York City, Gays Against Guns will hold a silent vigil at the Stonewall National Monument. They're a gun violence prevention group that came together after the Pulse nightclub shooting. The vigil will take place this evening at 6 p.m. Starting next month, over 60,000 New York City food delivery workers will make minimum wage. Mayor Adams announced that delivery workers for apps like DoorDash and Uber Eats will soon earn $17.96 per hour. That's about a $10 increase from their current hourly pay. It's less than the city's minimum wage. As part of the city's new plan, delivery workers will be slated to eventually make around $20 an hour by the spring of 2025. Commuters in Philly are scrambling to find alternative routes today after a section of Interstate 95 collapsed Sunday morning in the northwest part of the city. The freeway collapsed when a tanker truck caught fire underneath a stretch of the interstate's overpass. No injuries or deaths were reported. But the fallout of this fire will stretch for months. The collapsed freeway will significantly impact Philadelphia traffic for an undetermined amount of time. That's right, Jaya. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro says it would take months to repair. That's according to CBS News. In the meantime, drivers are facing a 43-mile detour to get around through that section of the freeway. City officials say to expect traffic delays in northwest Philadelphia for the foreseeable future. It was a winning night for inclusivity at the Tony Awards, despite the ongoing screenwriter's strike. Alex Newell and Jay Harrison Gee became the first openly non-binary performers to win a Tony. That's right, Ben. They won awards in Best Leading Actor and Best Featured Actor in a Musical. Another highlight of the night was Bonnie Milligan's moving acceptance speech that reminded us all, you belong somewhere. This was a statement on size inclusivity within the Broadway community. Milligan plays a grifter in Kimberly Akimbo and won the Tony for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. And on this day in 1963, the film Cleopatra premiered at the Rivoli Theater in Midtown Manhattan. The movie starred film legends Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. The film actually almost bankrupted 20th Century Fox after costing the studio over $30 million. But Cleopatra more than made its money back, becoming the highest grossing film of its time. There's a new music initiative called Composing Inclusion that connects students with professional musicians and composers. Their recent concert in May brought together Juilliard Preparatory students with New York Philharmonic players. WFUV's Maya Sargent sat down with the initiators that made this collaboration possible. Music students from Juilliard's Music Advancement Program had the unique opportunity to improve their skills alongside some of the best players in the world. They've been learning from musicians in the New York Philharmonic in a collaboration with the American Composers Forum. It's called Composing Inclusion. The program has received funding from the Sphinx Venture Fund for two years and it hopes to bridge the gap between students and working professionals. What would it look like for students who are more intermediate to advanced level junior high and high school students for the most part to be able to sit side by side with the most advanced professional classical musicians in the world in a way that the students can engage with the music 
in a way that's appropriately challenging for them, and the same thing for the professional musicians. That's Weston Sprott, the Dean and Director of the Juilliard Preparatory Division. He created Composing Inclusion, alongside Vanessa Rose, Executive Director of American Composers Forum, and Gary Padmore, Vice President of Education and Community Engagement at the New York Philharmonic. Weston, Vanessa and Gary selected nine composers to create new pieces to be performed by Juilliard Preparatory students and New York Philharmonic players. Their premiere concert took place at David Geffen Hall in early May. Weston, Vanessa and Gary had clear goals for their new side-by-side learning initiative, which allows students to play beside professional musicians during their concerts. They hope to build the intergenerational bond between students and professional musicians, elevate living composers from diverse backgrounds, and engage with the local community. And Weston says the composer selection process revolved around these goals. Having a pretty thorough interview process where we ask them about different ways that they want to connect their work to the ideas of the community that that we're in and how they might want to work with students and how how they would include multiple voices in their work. One of the composers is Jordan Davis. She wrote a piece titled, As I Am. Vanessa Rose says some of the final pieces had concrete ties to New York City life. Trevor Weston, one of the composers, shared how his inspiration for this piece was the subway. The subway is something everybody here in New York can connect with. And so talked about specific sounds. Gary Padmore from the Philharmonic says side-by-side concerts are great learning experiences for all involved, including students, professionals and composers. He says the Philharmonic players were just as excited to work with the students. There's learning happening on both sides. I think for the professional musician, um, an opportunity to be in a position to, to really understand like, you know, who are the emerging young artists um, and what they, what they desire to contribute to the art form. Ultimately, it's a relational relationship that's being built. Gary says he hopes the longevity of this relationship will motivate other professional orchestras across the country to engage with their community. This is an important step for us as far as educators, as far as orchestras. Um, so I think the more folks we can get um, invested in that and committed to, to really investing in a, in a creative way where we're featuring living composers and, and working with, with um, young people, um, I think it's, it will be essential. And he hopes the program will inspire change. I mean, the Philharmonic is 182 years old. In that span of history, we've had three Black tenured musicians in the orchestra. We have a lot of work to do. You know, a lot of folks see us on this ivory tower. He says engaging with the local community is the way to do this. The more we can be invested in in building relationships and sharing our culture and not necessarily like, you know, trying to come in to to give culture as if a person doesn't have it themselves. I think it's something that we, you know, are looking at. Gary, Vanessa and Weston say they're excited about the next year of composing inclusion. Plans for a percussion ensemble and woodwind ensemble are already in the works. And Weston says they've slated another side-by-side concert. For next year, we're already planning to do another Young Persons concert with the Philharmonic on April 20th, 2024. And that's going to be a side-by-side with the New York Philharmonic Orchestra and the pre-college orchestra. Weston says they are considering the next steps to build upon this intergenerational conversation, share New York City-specific stories, and expand their community through music. There's a lot of different ways to think about community, whether that's 
based on interest or based on proximity. And in this case, we're able to bring together both of those things in a way that was really meaningful for everybody. Gary, Vanessa and Weston hope composing inclusion is a way for orchestra members to reflect the community of New York City. They're looking forward to the next year ahead, connecting students with musicians and composers alike. I'm Maya Sargent, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Maya Sargent talking with the initiators of the Composing Inclusion program. And that's our show for today. I'm Jaya Joyce. And I'm Ben Oppenheimer. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.